I'm Avery Arden of the Rock Candy Podcast Network, and you're listening to Blessed Are the Binary Breakers, a multi-faith podcast of transgender stories. Chag Purim Sameach to my Jewish listeners. Blessed Lent to any Christians who observe it. And for any Baha'i listeners I may have, I hope your fast is going well as you prepare for your new year. I'm grateful to my Aunt Patty for letting me know a few weeks back that Ash Wednesday and the first day of the Baha'i fast coincided this year. I'm going to share her message because I'm always happy to learn something I didn't know about a religion. Today is the first day of Lent, also the first day of the Baha'i fast, which rarely happens. Uncle Guy and Danny will fast from sunrise to sunset for the next 19 days. At sunset on March 21st, the fast will end and the new Baha'i year begins. It's called Norus, and most Baha'i communities gather and break the fast together. By the way, the Baha'i year consists of 19 months made up of 19 days, with four days, or five during leap year, added between the 18th and 19th month. These are called intercalary days and are a time of gift-giving, good works, and fellowship. Some people compare it to Christmas, but it's not about the birth of a savior, so that's not an accurate comparison. And so concludes your unsolicited world religion class. Thank you, Aunt Patty. I'll be honest and say, my Lent isn't going exactly how I want it to so far. I was busy with a family issue when it started, and I'm kind of amazed that a few weeks have already flown by. Lent should be a time for slowing down, but things keep popping up and getting in the way. I'm resolving to be more intentional about making time from this moment forward. Happily, there are plenty of weeks left for me to settle down and dig deeper. If any of you are in a similar boat, well, have I got the book for you to help you add some thoughtfulness to the rest of Lent. The focus of this episode is me sharing some poems from a collection that I had the honor of narrating called Oh Beautiful Dust, Walking the Wilderness Toward Common Prayer by R.W. Walker. Ever since my voice has transformed into one that feels like me, giving me more confidence to use it as a gift from God for the world, I've been nursing this little dream of breaking into the audiobook world. I believe in the power of story, and I also like to think I have some talents in adding new layers of life to words on a page through my reading. So when an internet friend of mine, S.J. Blasco, announced the start of Squirrel House Publishing, I saw my chance. I let them know I'd love to volunteer my time and voice for any audiobook versions of publications they thought I'd be a good fit for. And boy, am I glad they thought of me for Robbie's book. Not only was it a delight to get to know this author and thus make a new friend, but recording his prayers has been the highlight of my Lent thus far. The book contains one, or occasionally two, prayers for each day of Lent, Most of them are deceptively simple, an easy read but with depth and challenge that will last you for the rest of the day at least. The prime aim of the collection, to unite divided Christians in prayer and pondering, is one I've long struggled with. 
How do I make peace in sharing the body of Christ with people who disrespect or even despise me? People who really would chop off their nose to spite their face if that nose were my queer, autistic, leftist self. Robbie's book doesn't provide some easy and trite answer to that question, but it did grab me by the hand and hold on tight as it guided me deep into pondering. I hope you'll check out the book in any of its forms, which I've linked in the show notes, ebook, paperback, hardcover, or audiobook, and join me and Robbie in the journey. To ignite your interest, I've got Robbie's permission to share some clips of the audiobook here and now. I picked some of the prayers that focus on wrestling with scripture and with God. A couple of them work with queer figures from the Bible, particularly the first poem with its gender nonconforming water carrier. I'll explain that more in a moment. Best of all, I'm giving away 10 audiobook files to you, my lovely listeners and readers. If you know you've just got to hear more after this episode ends, you can get your copy of the audiobook for free. To keep it simple, and because my fan base isn't that big, I'm making it first come, first serve. Be one of the first 10 people to reach out to me, and the audiobook is yours. If you listen to this episode within the first couple days of airing, you have a pretty good chance of being one of those 10. I'll update the show notes once all 10 books are claimed. If you don't see that message there now, then go, go, go. Email me at queerlychristian36 at gmail.com for your copy. Also, if the book's not up your alley, but you know someone who would love it, feel free to snag one of those free copies for them, even if they don't listen to the podcast. Before launching into the sections of the book I've selected, I'll play the About the Author section so you can learn a bit about Robbie. I was so glad to get to know him through the recording process. He let me bounce ideas off him about how to read certain pieces and stuff like that. It was a lot of fun, and I hope I get the chance to record an audiobook again soon. If you happen to have some sort of book project going and you want to hit me up, do that also at queerlychristian36 at gmail.com. Anyway, without further ado, let's go. R.W. Robbie Walker, he him, lives in Toronto, Canada with his partner. He is a self-described queer gender knot, somewhere on the autism spectrum who lives with cerebral palsy, clinical anxiety, and ADHD. As he says, good meds are so helpful. A PhD candidate and queer Pentecostal theologian, his ministry may yet lead to ordination. His special interests include theology, sexuality, and Star Trek, which makes sense. All three of them are about connection, conversation, and communion with the other. Okay, before launching into the poems at long last, I want to give the first one a contextual introduction. Don't worry, it's the only one of these pieces I'll butt in and do that for. This poem brings one of my favorite unnamed Bible characters to life. Inspired by the incredible performance of friend of the show Peter Toscano in his film Transfigurations, which I'll link in the show notes, Robbie prayerfully imagines himself in the person who provides a room for the Last Supper. In Matthew 26, as well as in Luke 22 and Mark 14, Jesus sends some disciples into town on a strange errand. 
He promises them that they will find someone carrying a water jar, despite it being high noon, who can lead them to somewhere they can celebrate the Passover meal. So what's so strange about this water-bearing figure? As Peterson Toscano explains it, collecting water at the well was women's work. B.P. Morton agrees, saying, A man who is carrying a jar of water in public in ancient Jerusalem is a man who either, one, doesn't give a hot damn about local gender conventions, or two, is actively doing their best to live publicly as a woman. Indeed, the Greek word for man, aner, is not used in any of the Gospels to describe this figure. Masculine endings are used, yes, but for human beings, masculine is the neutral option in Greek. Instead of aner, Luke 22 and Mark 14 use anthropos, which is a more general word for human, even if it is sometimes translated as man in English. Matthew 26 goes even further, using the even more vague term dana, a certain one, which does actually make use of a neuter ending. Transchristians.org refers to this water carrier as one of our transcestors, a trans ancestor, someone who would possibly identify as transgender in our culture and, as it is, can resonate deeply with trans persons today. This person must already have some sort of relationship with Jesus before the Passover, as the disciples need only tell them that the teacher needs a place to stay in order to get their help. That means Jesus was on friendly terms with at least one gender nonconforming person. Given that Jesus often broke convention about gender norms himself, I'm not surprised. There's one more contextual element that Robbie brings into his poem. The suggestion that this non-conforming person may have been an Essene, spelled E-S-S-E-N-E. If you're familiar with the Gospels, you've likely heard of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. There was also a third sect of Jewish thought at that time, the Essenes. Some Essenes lived out in the desert at Qumran. We have them to thank for the famous Dead Sea Scrolls. As Timothy H. Lim describes the Essenes, their community was hierarchical, structured, and disciplined. They cared for the elderly and the ill, and they shared their belongings with each other. They studied the holy books of Judaism, notably prophecy, and were punctilious in their observance of Jewish law, especially as regards purity and Sabbath laws. They wore white linen, renounced pleasure, and regarded continence as a virtue. They were also rather unique in the ancient world in their strong condemnation of slavery as unjust and ungodly. As to their gender nonconformity, because the Essenes at Qumran practiced strict celibacy, many people have assumed that there were no women among their number. That may or may not be historically accurate, but if it were true, without any women to do traditionally women's work, the men would have had to step up and done it themselves. Same with any Essenes living in Jerusalem and other cities. The ones who were celibate may not have had any women in their household to perform tasks like getting water. Whether this water-bearer whom Jesus relies on to provide him with a place for the Passover meal was an Essene or otherwise, they are indeed performing a task that is normally assigned to women. And at a rather queer time of day as well, high noon when it's really hot and you don't want to be out doing that kind of thing. Whether they do so because they live in a queer household with no women to do the women's roles, or because they want to be seen publicly living as a woman, because they enjoy embodying femininity, 
this person has resonated with trans folk seeking ourselves in scripture. What a beautiful figure, tucked in among the verses of three gospels. Jesus knew this person. Even better, Jesus did not look at his relationship with the water carrier as one wherein Jesus did all the giving and the water bearer was just lucky to count Jesus as a friend. No, Jesus knew he could count on this person in his time of need to offer him and his disciples a place to celebrate Passover. Trans persons have been seen and loved by Jesus, have had gifts to share with the body of Christ since the very beginning. And the relationships between cis and trans persons are reciprocal ones, supported and being supported by one another. Okay, finally, let's get to the poem. You're going to love it. Carrying Water, Luke 22, verses 7 through 13 inspired by the queer biblical storytelling of Peterson Toscano. Jesus, let me show your apprentices to the upper room, and let my household's master grant a spacious place as you prepare to eat the Passover. Yes, I know I'm carrying water on my head, an Essene man doing a woman's job, whatever that means. I know it's a genderqueer thing to do in public, and yet my people will be happy to host you. Remember me and all queer folk who grant you hospitality when you come into your kingdom. Amen. God's Reputation, 2 Timothy 3, verses 10 through 17, Tuesday. Faithful God, about this book that we Christians claim as yours, with Genesis at the beginning and Malachi at the end, followed by strange things called Gospels, and Acts that sometimes reads like a travelogue, letters by various authors, and an apocalypse dense with symbol that begs us not to make of it a timetable, you realize it often makes you look awful, right? You realize that some of your people are so mean because we think you are? What is inspiration supposed to mean if I am required, if we are required to take everything with equal weight, deny science, ignore compassion, beat up those who disagree with me about how this library reads, if not literally, at least rhetorically, if not with our fists, then by excommunication. And yet, there arises someone within the story. Adam Redux, Love made flesh, your own faithfulness to a covenant made for a sleeping patriarch, the one who suffers violence to exhaust it, who snuffs out death with no lingering smoke. I trust, I want to trust, this one called Jesus. What is it like 
to risk your reputation, to speak your incarnate word before the faces of mud creatures so violent we can't help but think you are too. Selah. My delight is in you. Genesis 32, Tuesday. Holy Spirit, I used to pray to you a lot like this. I love you. You suck. Thank you for understanding. I remember reading, Teacher, do you not care that we are about to die? Will not the judge of all the earth do right? I will not let you go unless you bless me. I begin to see that you allowed such prayers, even encouraged them because you wanted my friendship. When I realize this, I feel very, very small. And yet, your gentleness has made me great. Help me to delight in your friendship still more, and may my life give you the honor you deserve. In the name of Jesus, and for the glory of the Father, Amen. Help us to be wise. Hebrews 2, verses 1 through 9, Thursday. Glorified one, most beautiful lover, this is your answer to the world's evil. You suffered it yourself to end it. Oh, happy day! Yet we do not see your triumph yet. And, though if I'm honest, my heart thrills because I trust you, Sometimes it feels like cheating when I tell this story. I want to sing to everyone I meet. God has remembered everything you suffer. None of it is a waste, and all of it will be put right. But then I sit with someone who lost their best friend to suicide, or their parent in a car accident, or their new spouse to cancer. I am with them in their hopelessness, a bright ember burning in my heart. But telling them of resurrection, of the final day when you wipe away tears, is somehow not the fitting thing. Help me, alongside your friends who want to confront the world squarely and unclouded, to grow wise in living the glad tidings including how, when, and why to say all the things. In the beauty of hope, I pray. Amen. When I Grow Up, Hebrews 2, verses 10 through 18, Friday. Jesus, Sometimes, when I read of you as the great high priest, or the cosmic Christ, I struggle to remember you as a vulnerable baby, as a struggling carpenter, as a wandering, tired, prayerful healer, 
as someone who laughed without mocking at parties where everyone was already drunk, as a male slave willing to wash his own apprentice's feet like a Gentile woman. I struggle to remember that you suffered when the devil tempted you, and yet three little words made him fall silent. Some of my friends say about you, if he wasn't a sinner like me, then he wasn't fully human. They say, to err is human, to forgive divine. But I can't help but think there is a crossed wire somewhere, some failure of imagination in this thought. So this is what I want to ask. While you lift me from my ashes, would you gently make me part of your body, thus teaching me by degrees to be fully human? Amen. verses 39 through 53, Maundy Thursday. Jesus, who on this very night was betrayed by a friend to suffering and death, one, be with my people, two-spirit, gay, lesbian, bi, trans, queer, plus, who are betrayed so often by the powers that be, political and religious, just as you were. We are often unable to secure dignity and equitable treatment, not only before the law, but in people's hearts. Be with my people. Two, be with my people, disabled, gimpy, crip folks, visible and invisible, who are betrayed so often by the powers that be, political and religious, just as you were. We experience systemic injustice, oppressions in common, and your church's lack of healing skill and willingness to lament. Be with my people. Three. But when I am your Judas, Lord, forgive me most of all. Amen. you got something out of these prayers. Remember, you can get your copy of the book, ebook, physical copy, or audiobook by searching online for Oh Beautiful Dust by R.W. Walker, or you can email me right now at queerlychristian36 at gmail.com to try and snag your own free copy of the audiobook. By the way, the music in this episode, as well as the book, is The Encouragement Stick by Dr. Turtle whom you can find on freemusicarchive.org or on Spotify, YouTube, or Apple Music. Many thanks to Squirrel House Publishing for allowing me to share clips of this book here. Okay, see you next time, y'all. In the meantime, go out there and break some binaries and be a blessing to the world with your life.